Hello everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting. Today, Brandon from LRM Online's Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast, and myself, Peter, Pistol Pete, are doing a joint podcast to discuss Christopher Nolan's latest movie, Tenet. Unfortunately, we were mostly unhappy with the movie, but we discuss our likes and dislikes, the time manipulation aspect, and how Tenet basically stacks up to his other films. I feel like we could go longer than 45 minutes if we, not even, without even skipping a beat. There's just so much to unpack in that, that movie. That's fine. You gotta leave your, your gas, gaseous, yeah, gaseous ways. Um, I don't even know where where to start with Tenet, so I'll let you lead, lead it off. Because we're apparently recording and this is live because you should be leaving that in. But Doing it live. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I all the gas, all the all the farts. Oh, hey, man. we're all grown ups here. We're all we're all, we're all, all, yeah, we're all, all nerds natural. Adults. Yeah, exactly. We're all, we're geeks. all geeks. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But um right. So tenant. <clears throat> yeah. So tenant, so here's here's the deal. Um I I think what we could probably do is probably stick to the tradition that we generally used to do, which was non spoilers and then spoilers. Sure. You get sure. that? Yeah, right. yeah. So, Tenet is the most recent film that came out from, you know, celebrated auteur uh, Christopher Nolan. And, you know, personally, I've had my ups and I've had my downs with Christopher Nolan. And this was, man, this is no exception. And so, this is also a film that came out in the the wake of an incredible pandemic and there was a lot of hemming and hawing and hand wringing about whether or not they were going to release this film widely in theaters or whether or not they're going to put it in video demand. And one of the things I love about this conversation is everyone talks about like Mulan and Black Widow and Wonder Woman, what they're going to do with these movies and James Bond and should tentative come out on VOD. Everyone forgets first. Right. Artemis Fowl just jumped out there and was like, I'm unafraid to be shitty and I'm just going to jump on VOD uh, foregoing a theatrical release. I'm doing it for the people. So, 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 so selflessly. So Tenet is a film that currently sits at a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a 7.7 on IMDb. And it is the story of John David Washington, who plays as the protagonist. And in this film, he has to get close to uh, Kenneth Branagh, who plays Andre, and he is a Russian oligarch, and he is potentially, you know, selling weapons, dealing in weapons that will eventually bring about World War Three. There's some other bits and bobs in there, but the the biggest thing that you as a listener need to know is that there is a, I hesitate to call it a time travel element, but definitely like time manipulation time inversion which is just yeah is that fair to say i'd say time manipulation fits fits time it the best okay. the way that the way that and, goes yeah we'll stick with that and so we see in the very beginning of this movie uh they, they start out with a bang and i i think i'm gonna stop there with you know with the the setup and pete i'm gonna just ask you did you like this movie? Like, is did this film work for you? Non spoilers. Uh, if it was a simple yes or no question, I would say no. I did not like this movie. So, Ooh. 
coming into this this podcast episode, I was like, so we both watched it, and I'm thinking in my head, like, I need to watch this movie again. But then I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it because <laughs> I, I did not enjoy this movie, man. It's just okay. a lot of things that just – I know we talked about it, like our wives. I had mentioned my wife uh, – made it through about an hour and a half and she's like i can't do this and she literally just left she's never done wow. we've, been married, we've been married for 10 years and she's never walked out of a movie regardless of what we what it was she literally was like i cannot do this now i'm not saying that's indicative of this film or anything but i'm just saying i think that spoke a lot to my wife who likes christopher nolan films she loves inception she likes the batman movies you know she there's like I don't think there's a Christopher Nolan movie that I think that she just like dislikes. So she enjoys what the man's putting out, but she was not enjoying this movie. And I I was at that point too where I was like I just I feel like I was confused a lot, you know. I think that was my problem with this movie. And before you continue, let me ask you. So sure. you talked about her relationship with Christopher Nolan. What is yours? Like how do you feel about his movies generally? I really like a lot of his movies. I don't think there's any movie that I can think of offhand where I just where I dislike it as much as I dislike to tenet, but wow, like, yeah. So maybe I'm maybe I'm misspeaking here, but like I love Inception. That is like one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. I, even with some of its loop plot holes, I guess you could say, I still love that movie. I like Interstellar a lot, even with some of the issues with the science and in the plot holes in that movie. Uh, Memento's fantastic movie, The Prestige, another great movie. Like, I like his movies. You know, there's not a lot. I can't think of Dunkirk. For what it, so a lot of people had issues with Dunkirk. I think from what I could tell, because of the, it was just a whole lot of like waiting, and there was not a lot of point to the movie. But that's the point. That was the point of the movie was them trying to get away, (laughs) right? So I, I think he drove home or he hit the nail on the head of encapsulating what Dunkirk was, you know, meant to be. So I don't have an issue with the movie per se, but I understand why some people had issues with it. What about Dark Knight Rises? No, that's a good one. You know, I think that one was tough. It's always hard to stick that landing we always talk about. So I think uh, that was uh, the third movie. And it just seems like everyone has a hard time sticking that landing with that third movie, you know, whenever there's a trilogy. So I, I'd say it's a toss-up between Tenet and Dark Knight Rising, but the problem with Dark Knight Rising was you had a whole lot of build-up and um, a lot of expectation. Tenet, it almost seemed like it didn't have that build-up, and we all know it's Christopher Nolan, and you know we all expect a lot from him, I think, but with Dark Knight Rises, there was a lot of uh, build-up already. So I, I I don't know. I, I, just, I think I dislike Tenet more than that movie. <laughs> Okay. For that reason. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right in terms of how we view the movie. So with Tenet, the expectation and the buildup was mostly based on Nolan himself. Whereas with The Dark Knight Rises, there was Nolan plus everything that had come before within that series itself. Exactly. And so it's hard to come off of an Oscar winning performance from Heath Ledger into the next film. Um, that said, I hate The Dark Knight Rises <laughs> and will always hate that film. <laughs> Um, was there any, well, I'll give you my, my non-spoiler thoughts first. Um, one of the things that struck me about this film, uh, so first of all, palindromes, right? We all Mm. love them. I love them. You love them. Palindromes. Awesome. And this is one of Christopher Nolan's movies that doesn't feature a dead wife. So we're excited to see this man like branch out into new areas of filmmaking. 
Um, but he, one of the things that I'm say, but it's not a dead wife, but it's not exactly a a, a well written role for a wife. I would say. Really? Okay. So I I will I will tell you what I think in a second. Sure. Um, I and I, I can actually wrap it up into my non spoiler thoughts. Um, this one of the things that encapsulates this film very perfectly for me is in the very beginning. So there, there's lots of exposition in this movie. And one of the the points of non-exposition that comes off kind of like a throwaway line is in the very beginning after John David Washington, who plays the protagonist, is getting the spiel about this is how time inversion works. He's looking at the scientists and she's like, listen, don't try to understand it. All right? And I'm like, yep, that right there. It was like that that meme uh, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme with Leonardo DiCaprio was like pointing at the screen where they say the thing. <laughs> yeah, like, that's it. That's me. Actually, there were two moments like that. Yeah, I was like, that's so that's it. And there's also so you know that this is Denzel Washington's son, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the same scene where he's talking to the scientist, he says, um, "We're trying to prevent nuclear holocaust." And I also did the Leonardo DiCaprio thing because that is a line. To, it, that struck me from Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Denzel Washington talks about when he's talking with the other officers on uh, on the boat about what happens. And so going back to non-spoiler thoughts and taking that line away, don't try to understand it, feel it. What I, I really love this movie in the beginning because it was um, it was a James Bond movie by another name. And so you've got this protagonist who's who is in a secret organization. He has to get close to this Russian oligarch and it doesn't work. So there's this Bond girl by the name of Kat uh, who's played by Elizabeth Debicki. And one of the things that I liked about her, um, she was in my head. She's a Bond girl. And as I watched the movie, she's not your typical Bond girl. And you had this weird relationship just like you do in bond movies you're like why the fuck does he give a give a rat's ass about this chick in bond movies and it's the same here i'm like there's just i don't understand why he cares about this person but if you think about it in terms of a bond movie then you can kind of move on like that and robert pattinson plays a a very felix lighter type character in the form of neil and even that scientist in the beginning that's explaining how time inversion works like that's your cue Right. So you you got all of this stuff to make a Bond movie, you got your Bond villain and all of the Bond allies and all this other stuff. And you sprinkle in a little time inversion and that's your movie. Um, and the thing that you said that I really agree with is the confusion part. I felt like this movie was needlessly confusing. And so I, I gave out what the ratings were. Um, uh, 7.7 on IMDb and uh, 71 on Rotten Tomatoes. For me, the movie is a six and it could have been an eight, but for some of it being needlessly confusing and one scene in sp- specific that I'll talk about later. Um, but I, I feel like it was generally, it could have been so much easier to understand and far more enjoyable, but um there's a part of me that so I brought up Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I remember when we reviewed that movie on Breaking Geek, one of the things the discussion we were having was is like, who is this movie for? And I feel like this is just Quentin Tarantino just masturbating um, 
while making a screen. We just happened to be able to watch it. And this wasn't quite that. It wasn't quite there. But the the time travel elements and the confusing elements of this movie almost crush the film, as does like all of the explaining they have to do just to get you there. So those are my those are my non-spoiler thoughts about this movie. Yeah, you know, I think we're going to agree a lot about this movie. At first, you asked me, what what did I give it? I said a 7, and then I think I'm more along the lines with a 6 as well with you. We'll take it for what that means. But it's just like what I loved about Inception. So I'm going to compare this movie to Inception in a lot of ways mm-hmm. just because that's my one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies. I just like how everything was laid out. What Inception did was they pretty much just laid out the ground rules from the beginning, from the get-go, right? You just knew, um, you already knew it had something to do with dreams, I believe, with all the the previews and the trailers and stuff. But I just, I think for me as a, as a viewer, like I work in IT, and so I'm a little bit more cut and dry with, with the way I like things. I don't want to say that it's dumb, dumb it down for me, but I kind of like having, when I'm writing a script or if I'm looking for something in... Uh, forensically on a hard drive, you know, I know the rules that I'm, I'm in and I, and I know that if this doesn't work, then this will work. If this doesn't work, this will work. You know, I just understand everything. And that's kind of like why I think I liked Inception so much was that I just, I got the rules right away and I knew exactly, you know, what kind of world we were in. Whereas with Tenet, it was just kind of like for literally almost an hour and a half, I really just didn't know what was at play, like what was going what on. What's going on? Yeah, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like being in the movie. Like people say, oh, just watch it again. No, I don't need to fucking watch a movie a second time to get it. I just don't feel like it should be that way. Maybe some people like it. You just it. didn't get it. You right. just didn't get it. It might, reminds me of Annihilation. Like I did not like Annihilation, but then it's like this whole thing. Oh, well, you're just not smart enough to like it. And you're like, you know what? Fuck you. You know that's not. I just hate that that argument about. You don't like a movie. You didn't like the movie because you didn't get it. Or you're not smart enough. I just hate that. And I feel like this is. I said on Twitter, I was like, this movie is going to divide people. I think surprisingly, I think more people just dislike it. But then I looked at the Rotten Tomato score. Do you know what the audience score is? You probably know. It's seventy six percent. So the audience yeah, actually it's liked relatively it. Relatively high. And I'm shocked. I mean, I really am because if you just Google Tenant not good, there's a ton of stuff even in Reddit. So it's just like, I don't know. Like, well, I, my six is a frustrated six. Because it's like, huh, it's almost the same thing as when I talked about Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises to me is an A student turning in C work. And this film isn't, it's almost, it's not along the same lines because I feel like more effort went into this than the Dark Knight Rises. But the frustrated six is not because you didn't try it's because your ambition crushed this movie which i would prefer right and it's like being like you know take this for what you will i'm not i'm not a teacher i'm not his teacher he's not my student but it's like i would rather see you try very hard and fail than turn in some bullshit and this wasn't turning in bullshit this was just like you got overly ambitious and like you really started feeling yourself with this time manipulation shit after Interstellar and Dunkirk and to Inception to some extent. And you just couldn't figure out a way to get us in your head enough to be able to explain this so that you didn't have to do all of the explaining in the movie. Um, because like I said, but for something that happens later, this movie for me would be an eight. I would be 
pretty much in line with those users' scores. Yeah, I don't know what it would take for me. So I guess we would, when we break into the actual spoilers, I, I can talk about like specifically what I did not like. But it made me okay. think, like, you, you remember the beginning of Memento when stuff was going backwards? I was thinking in my head, like, maybe Christopher Nolan was just like, no, it would be cool if we did a movie where shit happens backwards. <laughs> just like that. Let's do a whole movie on that. And then I think that's like, I wonder if that's like what went through his head. Kind of like with Inception. I always imagine Inception, like, wouldn't it be cool if I could just go in your brain and watch your dream like and interact with you and then he does a whole movie about it i feel like this is what happens when he's just talking with his friends and he's like hey let's do a movie so let's just um, make the movie let's make yeah the movie. and i feel like he's already built that clout you know where he can do it he just goes to the studio he's like i want to do a movie about dreams and i can go into these dreams and we can just have a spy flip done, and, done. yep sold done. <laughs> sold Throw, <laughs> stop throwing money at me <laughs> exactly it's like i feel um, like he's at that point now it's like let's do a, a movie about where we can you know manipulate time okay whatever I, say no more here, hundred million dollars, whatever. Cut him a check. Yeah. Where'd you cut him a check? <laughs> exactly. So uh, I just I always say because I, I when I saw the stuff happening backwards, this reminded me of that opening scene in Memento when it first starts off. Yeah. Um, so all of that said, I think we've covered pretty much as much non-spoiler stuff as I'd like to. Um, one of the, the last thing before we get into spoilers, I'd like to ask you. So, and I think the answer is pretty obvious, but I just want to make it clear for the listener. Do you think that this is something that people should watch? No. I think you'll be okay missing missing out on it. Okay. I would say that if you are a fan of Christopher Nolan, you should definitely watch this. Um, and I still think even non-fans of Christopher Nolan could find things about this movie to like. And the other thing, and uh, to compare to his other movies, I think there is a thing about a lot of his movies where if you can get over this one particular hurdle, you will like the movie. So like with inception, it was that whole idea. Like it was like, it was that, that dream idea. And if you were okay with that, like you would be fine with interstellar. It was the part where he goes to the black hole. Like if you can survive that, you would like this movie. Um, Dunkirk, at least for me, like if you could survive the boredom, then you would like this movie. And so this movie has this one particular hurdle for me that I just couldn't get over. And the nice thing about it for me is that there might come a time where someone could explain it to me in such a way where I'd be like, you know what? I'm back on board and this movie is now an eight. But that said, uh, we're going to get into spoilers now. And so I'm going to start by saying what this thing is that I keep referring to. And then, Pete, the next question I'm going to ask you after that when we're done talking about it is what is it that you didn't like about uh, Cat? So for me, the game-breaking moment in this, the part where I was like, I can't take the confusing elements of this anymore, was the battle at the end. We mean the, it was the imaginary bad guys that we never saw? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm like... What the fuck is happening? Like, who are they fighting? Why? What's going on? And there wasn't, um, like, for all of the explaining this movie did up to this point, and there was even a briefing, right? They, they did two briefings about what was happening. And I'm still like, I have no idea what's happening right <laughs> well, now. Well, what was weird about and, that briefing was, like, one, they had already gone through it, right? Because it's going, yes. one group is go has already gone through the battle. Or no. I don't I'm, not, yeah. I'm already confused, and we just started. I'm like, wait, here we go. Because 
the the it was called a temporal pincer where so a pincer movement yeah. is when you attack from the front and you attack from behind simultaneously. So this is where you're attacking from I guess present time, right? Current current yep. time and then the other group is attacking running so the, the way it works is you go through time backwards and they're attacking yep. 10 minutes I guess after the fact and they're t- they're t- they're going to attack 10 minutes prior. So in that scene where they're doing that <laughs> briefing did the so that would mean the team going they hadn't gone through the time the the flipper yet right that, that's what happened that's what was going on okay never mind i'm confusing myself already in that scene because i'm trying to <laughs> and this, that's it yeah that's exactly problem. <laughs> that's my problem with the movie i'm like who are they fighting in this one particular moment like is there a are there bad guys that we can't see that these people who have already had this battle are fighting right now because I didn't see them. The only I only saw two bad guys, and it might have been one bad guy, and it was the one who goes into the tunnel to set the tripwire, and then there's the one that's behind the locked door. And I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be the same person. Um, they were like nameless. One was nameless bald dude, and then I can't. I've already forgotten what the dude down in the tunnel looked like. It, we'll just assume they're the same person. So um, I saw three people besides that guy in the very beginning when there is artillery coming in they're they're charging there's like this are behind those like sandbags i think it was and there's two guys there i think it was two and then there was an there was a one guy with the at4 in the building that they i guess i think they blew up that was it those are the only people that i saw during that battle that sequence was it. it was really weird and on top of everything it else it was weird and it was frustrating and it's weird because I think that I understood the overarching concept of this, right? The overarching concept is we have to go and fight this battle and not get to the bomb because the bomb has already gone off and what happens happens. Like you can't stop that part. So that first team that has already done this has to go in and fail because the bomb's already gone off. The second team is going in there to, to get the materials before they can be sent back and preserved for future use. I get that part. The part that's frustrating to me is like, who would like, who, what are you shooting at? What's going like that? Yeah. That's the part yeah. that I don't get. That was and the so first thing me, I said to myself during that scene, like about two minutes into it, I was like, there's no bad guys here. What is going on? Who the fuck are you shooting at? And I feel like, and that's what I'm saying. Like I could go back and either watch it again or someone can explain it to me in such a way that I could be like, oh, okay, I get it. And all would be right with the world, provided that that explanation isn't dumb. And I think that that's why I say it's a frustrated six, because everything around all of that, I really enjoyed. So, like, I like the fight scenes. I liked watching John David Washington. This is very cool, confident, um, nameless shadow agent. And he was a really good fighter. Like the, the way he handled action was fun. So there's a scene where he first meets cat and, um, the goons come and then she has to leave and then they're going to just beat the shit out of him. And I, I did not expect him to be able to handle the action that well, especially because generally speaking, I do not like the way Nolan shoots action. Um, I feel like with the exception of inception, he doesn't do a particularly good job with it. And so I would put this in inception for me, neck and neck in terms of uh, how the fight choreography went. 
And so that was fun to watch. You know, I mean, I, I'm not, I haven't seen a whole lot of John David Washington. He was in that Black Klansman. Yeah, I did, I did not see that movie. Um, shame on me, I know. And I, he was on a TV show with The Rock. I can't think of the name of it. Um, where he plays an agent and he's a football player. So that's where I mostly know him. More. But honestly, like ballers. I, ballers. Yes, thank you. But honestly, I was kind of let down by. I don't want to say maybe it was the dialogue or the lines he was given. I just felt like they were just reading lines in his scenes for everybody, not just him. Mm. I felt like it was just like a quick, pit, a quick line reading. They'll cut. They'll cut to the person talking and I cut to the other person. Like I didn't get much from him i agree that fight scene was really cool when he used the cheese grater that was really cool i like yeah. that fight scene that was great but overall everybody even like um what's his name as andre like i just felt like when he talked about he's a tiger in a tiger suit like i just thought that was like a really weird <laughs> line stupid. when he's like that was the scene where so this is you what you asked me my issues he's, with he said something like you admire you admire the tiger and then yeah. until it turns on you yeah, I was like, <laughs> that was a stupid line. What? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's just. Yeah. But in its defense, that is typical Bond villain dialogue. True. Yeah. That okay. Right there. Yeah. Fair point. Um, but and then it's just like so. Even like with with Cat, I just really couldn't get. She was so worried about um her son, and mm-hmm. and then she just winds up being this woman that's abused. You know. So it's just like. I don't know. I it, it's just so at that point I was just so weirded out and so, and so lost. But I would say that one of my main issues I had was the was the way the dialogue and the way the performances were done. It just seemed very for me. It just seemed like they were just reading a script. Like in that scene where he's talking, where the protagonist John David Washington is talking to Cat um, at that table. It just felt really emotionless. The conversations that were going back and forth, and it just really struck me i don't know did you i don't know if you mm. felt the same way but i just felt like dude, throughout the entire movie granted andre i keep i keep we always screw up names in our podcast but um the actor that portrayed him in that scene though when you see these Brana. kenneth brandon thank you when he's saying these um saying that line like it felt powerful but it just like it sounded stupid but it's stupid yeah it's like it's so well acted, you know, and it just was like, yes. but it's like this is such a dumb line. But outside of that, I just felt like, well, there was a couple of scenes where um, I feel like Cat, you know, pulled off a, a decent performance, like where she, where she was uh, at the end of the movie. I feel like she did a great job at the end, where she had to like kill him and stuff. You know, the motivations behind that was weird, where she broke. She was like, I wanted to kill him because I didn't want him to know that he won. Like that was like such a weird motivation. Like you're gonna, you're gonna ruin this entire intricate plan yeah. just because of this so oh so you're saying like um star lord fucking up that entire plan to destroy well, you know, saving the universe but yes um, right i think i think that yeah, was worse like, but yeah exactly I, I hate that moment but i i do think that there are multiple examples of that throughout cinema and this is coming from someone that hates that moment and Infinity War, mostly because, and the reason why I think that I forgive it here and not there, is because in Infinity War, there are like multiple people like, "Don't do this! What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Stop!" And he just can't hear it. And I'm like, "You're a fucking moron." Here, she's had that conversation with John David Washington and or with the protagonist and Neil, and then she's off by herself, and she's on this boat, and there's a, I, in my head. I can imagine lots of time that you have to just think to yourself. 
And without those other people and all those other voices telling you, hey, don't do the dumb thing, you would just do the dumb thing. And that's just reality to me. And so I get the motivation of like just the hubris and the, the you know, the um, the Pulp Fiction line of that's just pride fucking with you. And that's exactly what that was. That was pride fucking with her. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you go out thinking that you fucking want shit. I'm going to kill you. And that seemed very real to me after having been shot, blackmailed, got the shit kicked out of her by this dude, all within what we saw. So she picked a hell of a time to hit her breaking point. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's all I love about it. And what makes it funny, like it shouldn't be funny and I could get why it's annoying, but it's the line where she's like, I just couldn't let him think that he'd want like whatever explanation she said, which she's like, but you got it right. Like you did it. Like the realization of what she did hit her also in that moment when she's on the phone. And she's like, fuck, I didn't fuck it up. Did I? (laughs) Say so we're all still here. I guess you're good, right? We're all still good, right? Yeah, you're good. You're good, right? You're good. Um, I I get it. I I 100% agree with you that that could be uh, potentially annoying, and you know, it it really just comes down to the viewer, and at least from my perspective, like I got it in the same way that I didn't understand what Star Lord did. Yeah, I mean, and there's other things too that made me wonder, like so. When you get shot by a bullet that what's the phrase? What's the temp? What's the inverted inverted bullet? And then you have to go into inverted time to recover, right? And so that's what that Mm -hmm. that's what happened when she got shot. So they're going backwards, and it was a matter of a week, right? Because they're going back to the airport scene, right? Yeah, like fourteen days or something like that. So then you can't go forward in time, can you? I think you have to go back through the machine again. But if you go back through the machine again, doesn't it just keep you where you're at in that time? So if I go to tomorrow and then I go back in the machine, I'm stuck in to in tomorrow, right? And so I think that that is the one thing from this movie that they did not get. They did not do a good job of explaining. Like, basically, how do you come back to normal time? And how did they – so but then – how did so these that's what i was wondering like with the people the bad guys in the future that wanted to destroy you know earth what that was their motivations whatever because supposedly the oceans dried up and whatever they alluded to i forgot that that line but i wonder how far away how far in the future they were and then how like because someone brought up the the someone brought up a uh um uh, not a myth, but a conspiracy theory that, or a theory that Neil was actually Kat's son who traveled back in time 10 years. But I was like, man, that's a really long time to be going inverted. You know, like, I don't know. It's just that, that whole thing also, like, this is what happens with time, with time travel movies for me. And I'm, I usually like yeah, it. You when start looking for those things. It's so easy to pick apart, especially when it's like a movie that's serious, I guess, like not like hot tub time machine, you know, that's just fun and back to the future. But this is more of like, I don't want to say founded in realism, but you know, you, you, you try to find some form of sense, you know, or, or where's the science. Right. And I don't know. It's just, I, I didn't understand that. And then like, why are all these guys fighting for Andre? If they know, I mean, I would imagine they know what's going to happen. You know, it just, it hurt my head you know, <laughs> thinking about all this. Well, we don't know just, what he told them. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true, but I wonder He's just what a rich dude and yeah. they're doing his bidding. Yeah, James Bond all over again, henchmen. 
without yeah, henchmen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like like wait a minute, you're going to you're going to take all the earth's water or you're going to blow up like whatever whatever? Like who knows? And it's funny cuz that actually kind of reminds me of um 1977 Superman when Lex Luthor finally reveals his plan to Miss Tessmacher and she's like, "Wait, you're going to blow up this one place? My mother lives there." And he's like, he's just she kind of shakes his head like, mm. <laughs> 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 And that's that's the motivation. That's the thing that made her save Superman. And it was like, but for him being so evil that he would kill her mother. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder what does the main villain tell his hench people? Because clearly in that movie, he didn't tell her anything. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to like it wasn't until the, the nuclear missiles were in the air that he's like, yeah, I'm going to blow up. I think it was it was like Hoboken or some random like weird name place. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I I don't know what hench people think. It's the same thing where I'm like, you just watched the main dude murder three people, and you're the last one left. You're, you're gonna. That's why I love the trope that has come in of the dude trying to run away, like the last <laughs> dude, like fuck this. But, but I I never understood like the people that stay. Like you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, but I will say that me nitpicking that part is. Pro- I mean. Picking that apart is a little nitpicky on my end, but it, when you get to the point of that movie, this is what happens to me. Like I'm, when I'm in a movie, and I'm not enjoying it. It just usually turns into a snowball of like, okay, you know what? What else is wrong with this movie? So yeah. I would say the main, the main issues that I had for me was the dialogue, like the way it was acted for the most part. It really just felt weird to me with the pacing and everything, the confusion like of the world building and this universe that we're in. Because I was like really confused. Even towards the end, it was confusing. Um, and the sound, like I could sometimes at some point I couldn't even hear people. Like it's, it's just to me, like and that wasn't a big issue that other people <laughs> they had. Like I don't know. And that really just threw me off, and I felt bad because I got my son to watch the movie, and he hated it, and he he left after about an hour. So it's like maybe we'll watch Inception. You might like that better. <laughs> um. So again, so I agree with you in terms of the sound design, and I. I'm willing to bet that some of it was intentional, but some of it was also very annoying. So I liked the fight scenes, but they were also very muted. Like they were not impactful at all. And there was a part of me that thought that it was because in at least one of those fight scenes, he's fighting someone that is inverted. And so maybe that's the reason why it sounds the way it does. But when he's fighting the guys in the restaurant, it shouldn't have sounded that way. It should have... I would love it had they done a contrast between that fight in the airport where he's fighting himself and the sound is off because he's punching someone that's inverted versus when he's in the uh, kitchen and he's just beating the shit out of these dudes. And it just sounds like what you would typically expect from a James Bond movie, like just somebody just getting just fist to face. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that the sound was off. I didn't have problems with the dialogue, but the sound design is what bothered me about it. Um, I also really liked the, again, I keep going back to this, this idea of James Bond because the opera was basically like a cold James Bond open. And like, if you think of golden eye or you think of uh, casino Royale or something like that, there's this mission in the beginning that, sometimes does or sometimes doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. And this one just, it did. And that's 
that's how it played out for me. Like I was watching a James Bond movie. And so that's why for a lot of it, I was very comfortable with what I was seeing. But I agree with you at some point. Like I, my breaking point was that scene that we talked about in the beginning of this review, which was getting to that battle. And in my head, so as you described how you view movies and at some point you just start nitpicking it, the way that I describe movies is if I'm sitting in a car and I'm enjoying the ride, those nitpicky things I will miss. But if it's a bumpy ass ride, I will start looking around and being like, this is fucked up, this is fucked up, this is fucked up, this is fucked up. This movie, I didn't, that, the reason why it's a frustrated six for me is because I didn't dislike what was happening. This is a very weird movie for me in that sense. It's it's weird in the same sense that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was weird for me. Like it wasn't, there was nothing wrong it wasn't bad. There was just like, it was a I, weird movie what's happening. Yeah. Like what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And the, I think the scene mm-hmm. at the, um, where they're fighting, where it's red team, where it's, it's red versus blue, where it's red versus blue. Not actually, but right. that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> um, it was like a cup overflowing. And that was, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Done. Yeah. This is like, I, and I looked at my wife and I was like, what's going on? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, All right, well, I'm going to do it. And then I watched an explainer video. And the, the thing that irritated me about the explainer videos, they all skip over that part. Like they kind of touch on it. They're like, yeah. And then they did it. And then, and then he's all sad because he's had this conversation with Neil and he knows what's going to happen to Neil. And then he's all sad. I was like, wait, 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 back up 10 minutes. What the fuck was happening then? And no one wants to do that. So if somebody out there listening in Dreamland wants to be like, hey, dipshit, this is what was going on. I would love it. Help me love this movie. Yeah, you know, and that's what I don't like. I realize movies that I wind up really not liking, I'm reading a lot about, you know, like I'm trying to get answers. And that's when I realized, you know what, I really didn't enjoy this movie. And that's what I did. I found a lot of great <laughs> explanations and a lot of stuff that helped me understand things like the highway chase scene when he... So the highway chase scene was like indicative of the convolution and confusion of the movie so <clears throat> in the highway chase scene protagonist um he ba- this is where he gets the the plutonium which is actually that the last piece of the algorithm the piece yeah and yeah. uh so he basically go he winds he so in real time he throws <laughs> let me sure make sure i get this right in real time he throws the, a, an empty case um at was it an empty case? He threw it at the, at Andre when he's asking for because he's gonna kill Cat. Was it an empty case at that time? I don't think we it was didn't empty. know it though. I don't think it was empty then. Yeah. But yeah, basically, so after everything happens, right after she gets shot, he goes through the time inversion machine and goes back, and he's driving the car and he catches it in the middle. But what happened was he was the car from the first time. Right. He saw the car moving backwards and flipping. It was like this weird thing. But what that was him later on going backwards in time, catching this um, algorithm, thinking he could outsmart Andre. But then Andre actually went back in time and found out about this later and was able to was able to get it from him. And it was just like I had no idea. I hope that makes sense, first of all. And I had no idea how that happened in the movie. Like, no clue what was going on. I had to read about that yeah. for it to, to understand it. You ever see um, You ever see Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Yes. So, think about the, the scene at the K. end. 
Mm-hmm. I said something's afoot at the Circle K. Yes. So think about the scene at the end where they are they're having the conversation with I can't think of the guy's name, the main bad guy. And they're like, well, we just need to go back in time and put the key over here so we could do oh, this. Right, and we'll right. put some sandbags up there. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but I too can play the time game. And, <laughs> and yeah. that's what this was. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back in time and I'm gonna outsmart you. I'm gonna drive <laughs> this car. And Andre's like, but I too can play the time game. <laughs> he just goes back. <laughs> But isn't that what essentially happens, right? That's what Neil comes yes. into play. So Neil, it's like, is, is this like an ever, never-ending battle with him and Andre and then the protagonist? It's like a actually like a weird closed loop of continuous time inversion, like World War yeah. fight or whatever. Isn't that what it essentially is alluded to? Because we find out that the protagonist is actually the one that triggers all this and they like recruits Neil, which I got to say, I wanted more Neil. I actually enjoyed uh robert pattinson as neil and i just kind of felt more like i felt like his performance in this movie was pretty good given his the circumstances you know and i wanted to see more of that dynamic between him and the protagonist because i felt like there was something there i wanted to see less of him and cat because that whole motivation thing with him like being so worried about her when he clearly uses her even they, they even like he lays it out he's like i just used you to get to andre like specifically states that but all of a sudden now he cares about her that was another thing i didn't like I'm sorry. I'm just going Every into James Bond movie. Yeah. Every James Bond movie. So, and I think that's what really happens, but it, I think the reason why I'm so frustrated is because I feel like there's something that could have been really good about this movie. If it was just, yeah. Ex- if like it was conveyed, not even necessarily explained. Six. Yeah. Like not even necessarily explained to us. Like we're stupid, but conveyed in a way that it made sense. You know, I'm not asking for us to give me a, a role you know, a credit roll of explaining everything that's going on or why we're here. But at least like Inception, you, you were given the ground rules and either you, like you said, you liked it or you didn't, or you accepted it or you didn't. But here you didn't even get that chance. It was just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. You're just like, what? Like, do I like this or not? So and then before you realize it two hours later, you're like, I just wasted two hours. I think the thing that I loved about Neil's performance was, so you said something that I think is absolutely true. He said, uh, you said that, you know, you felt like there was something there and it's like this idea that he does know him and he's having a hard time not telling him everything because they have, it seems like they have a very close relationship in whatever future that exists, which also just brought up more questions. Like, like you said before, did they just develop full blown time travel? Like, how is it that he recruited Neil at some point in the future? Like, where is Neil in this timeline? Like, where does he come into play? And just like whoever you were talking about on Reddit, like my wife and I were asking, like, all right, so is that kid, is Cat's son Neil? And so we wondered the same thing. And it it's mildly frustrating. Those questions didn't break the movie for me it's just like stuff that you wonder about um but i do think unlike inception where the big question was you know did he make it out in the end and then michael kane comes out at the end and he you know it's funny people discovered this video years later and i i remember seeing it almost immediately when it happened when he's just like yeah if i'm there in the end then he's made it out there is not a succinct question answer for this movie that i think would make it satisfactory for like you or a lot of people that didn't like it 
I just need that one thing explained and I'll be fine. Like what was going on in that battle? Um, but even I that, I, I don't need more. <laughs> right. Need that's more what I'm saying. That. Like, I don't think that that would be the thing. And, and that's kind of the frustrating thing with inception. You're left with a question. Did he make it out with this? You're left with a different question of what the fuck just happened. And I don't, think that those are i think one is a more satisfying type of question than the well, other it's more fun i think the ending of inception was like you, know, you you it's so the way the, the build up to that scene in inception I, I just love so much you go through all this all this stuff this epic battle at the end him you know they were stuck in this little time like dream scenario for years and sato wakes up and he's like oh you gotta make this call, and then there's that scene with the the Hans Zimmer score. Time, it's so good, and then you see that top spin it. You know, it's just like the everything up into the up to that point. That scene is great, and then you don't see it fall. It's just fun to talk about. I remember me and three other right. friends when I was in um in training in the army, where we all went to go see it one weekend. We just talked and talked and talked about it. But it was fun to discuss. Whereas like Tenet, just like what whatever we're talking about, it's just more of a frustration as whining about it because. It just there's so there's so much that could have been with this movie, and it just wasn't where it needed to be. And we're, we're what you think of the music for this? I hated it. Like I did not like really? it. Really interesting. Which is interesting because um, uh, the guy Ludwig Göransson. It's not a Hans Zimmer score because he didn't do this no. movie. It was Ludwig no. Göransson who I actually found out he actually won an Academy Award for Black Panther. I know it's an award. He's done you know, a bunch we, of good shit. Yeah, he's done a lot of good stuff, but I really just felt like the the music at times was maybe it wasn't his fault. Maybe it was because it was it was like really loud at certain points where I was like, "Why is that so loud?" You know, like this doesn't fit here. And um, so yeah, very techy and like I don't know, it just didn't fit to me. Like I felt like I I just wanted more of Inception score in this movie, and I think it would have been better. But probably would have been better. Um, I aside from the beginning at the opera. It was so blaring that I barely noticed it. It just kind of faded into nothing, if that makes sense. At some point, my brain just blocked it out, and I'm, mm. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to the score on its own. So I tried to listen to the score, and it just didn't connect with me. And sometimes I need to see a movie, and then the score connects with me. The opera music connected, and then everything else I couldn't really hear anymore. But he's also done The Mandalorian. He's also yep. done Creed. Um, and like you said, Black Panther, like he's done good stuff. And I remember Creed having really good music and really good emotional segments. And some of that was the music. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to say, I mean, I think, I think I don't want to say I I hated it. I mean, I didn't like it. I felt like some of the score didn't fit the scenes properly. And I also think I'm I'm a huge Hans Zimmer fan. Like I will listen to that man's music when I'm just doing something at home or at work. I will literally listen to his music in the car. Like I really enjoy the music Hans Zimmer puts out. And so when I didn't think about it and I was listening to it, I was like, oh, no, this is not Hans Zimmer. And I was like immediately dislike, you know. <laughs> but um, so maybe it's my my fault for not giving him a, a chance or the music a chance. But I I felt like it didn't fit in certain spots. It was like a weird like techie droning like. Not or like not I want to say orchestral, but it was just very like a weird tech. Like it didn't fit to me. Like I would like not a, you would think a James Bond like movie score like with I don't know. It just didn't fit the movie to me in certain scenes. 
I would say that it needed a theme, um, much in the way that Inception very clearly has a theme and Dark Knight has a theme, Interstellar has a theme. Um, It needed something to drive. Again, if this is a James Bond movie, you have to have a theme. You got to have a thing. Some recognizable, repetitious um, set of chords, strings, something. And it might be there, right? I'm going to go back and listen to the score and be like, oh, it's right there. But I think that's what it was. was the techie, the tech, like techno type sound is what man, I was getting from it. It's not good. And that's what I would, that's what I say. But, but what's frustrating know. about that is so you're talking about Hans Zimmer and let's throw James Newton Howard in there uh, for the Dark Knight. In Batman Begins, it's very apparent what the theme is. Even forgetting that Dark Knight comes out after and forgetting that Dark Knight Rises comes out after that, you can listen to Batman Begins and you're like, that's it right there. That's the theme. And it, it, it to me, it sticks out and it sticks with you. I remember listening to that shit like well after that movie again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And whatever the theme is for this just got muddled and lost. And it, that is very much like this movie. Yeah. I, I, that's probably one of the problems is the movie wasn't what we expect or what we know and love from a Nolan film, including the music and Hans Zimmer. But it just, you know, didn't come together like we thought it would. Yeah. I, that's, I think that that's probably my final thought about it is, I remember watching this movie in the beginning and someone told somebody I trust told me they didn't like it. And they kind of tried to describe the battle in the end. And I, I think in my brain, I disregarded what they said in trying to describe it. But I do remember this sense of foreboding. Like I really like what I'm seeing up until this point. And I'm really hoping that I just disagree with this person about this one particular part, because he really like zeroed in on this being the element that didn't work for him. But up until that point, I'm smiling because this is a very much Christopher Nolan film. And like with the, some of the shots, like that one of the first shots zooming in on this building, uh, not the opera building, but um, it wasn't Mumbai. Where were they? Um, shit. Where he meets um, with the arms dealer. There's a shot where they zoom in on the building that felt very dark nighty to me. And I'm just India? I'm smiling. They were in India? Yeah. I, th- I thought it was Mumbai, but I could be wrong. I know Mumbai was in, um, in Inception, so that's probably where my brain is getting that from. But I like that shot. And again, it feels very much like him. And so there are elements of this movie that's very much his movie. And I remember smiling watching this movie because I'm, I, I am so accustomed to seeing some of his greatest hits now that I just enjoy it. And it's just frustrating that it didn't come together in such a way that it's going to be like Inception is for you or Interstellar or, you know, Memento or any of his other works. So those, that's my final thought on this. Yeah, if we're going to say final thoughts, um, uh, just overall, just um, disappointed because I really liked Inception. I really liked Interstellar. I had some frustrations with it in the beginning, but over time, I think it's like grown on me more, and I actually like really enjoy that movie. Um, I just, I, I just, the confusion is really off-putting, and then from there, it's just snowballed into a lot of other things for me. Um, and it's, 
I don't want to sound like I just feel like I'm whining with this movie, you know, talking about this, <laughs> but I just didn't like it. And it just really, and I'm mad, you know, like I'm, I'm like angry about it because I wanted to. And I read some, I didn't read the reviews, but I read like bits and pieces of some people saying it's not the movie you thought it was going to be. That was like the main thing I think I read was saying it was not what you, you know, it's not as good as you thought it was going to be and this, that and the other. But I really was excited to see um, John David Washington as a lead in like a big budget film. And I feel like I was let down. Maybe not because of him. Maybe it was the, 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 the plot or maybe it was the dialogue he was given. But I just felt like that, that I didn't feel anything for the protagonist. Um, story mm. was convoluted as hell. And I wanted more from Neil and, and the protagonist. I really liked what they had going on there. But we didn't get that. And I doubt we ever will. So, but... If you, yeah, I guess you like Nolan films, I would say give this one a shot. You may like it. You may be one of the people that thinks that I'm an idiot for not liking it, but <laughs> so be it. Um, but if you're just an overall movie fan, I think you're better off just watching Inception again than watching this movie at, for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours long, man. That was a long time two and to be confused. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Final, final thought. <laughs> we talked about the music. New segment. The one thing that we didn't mention. So the one thing that's missing, we got to we got to redo. So I'm going to I'm going to invert time. And oh, God. This is actually going to be my final thought. So Michael Caine, the, the <laughs> yes. scene with Michael Caine, like fucking had me dying. And I love <laughs> like that. So you talk about the dialogue. This is dialogue that actually really worked for me. I loved the, the conversation that he's having with the maid like from from go. The yes. conversations that he's having with the Mater D, and the Mater D is like, "Oh, I'll send the waiter over to take your order." He's like, "No, that's okay. You tell him what the order is." And then he's talking to Michael Caine. They're having this back and forth, and then he's like, "You know, you kind of looked the part, but you know, Brooks Brothers won't do for the world that yes. you're going into." And like all of that stuff. And then he gets up and he's like, "He's like, but your food is here." He's like, "Well, can you box up?" He's like, "Certainly not." And he's like, <laughs> "I'm with you 100." Like, I love yeah. that. There was like a little bit of humor in that conversation, you know, it was like lighting the mood because it felt so like, again, up in like, I, like I said, my final, final, final thought <laughs> of this movie was like, even it's in for a time and it's your actual yeah. final thought. You know, what's funny is how fitting is it that we started with the end of the movie in this podcast? If you did, you realize that like we started yeah. with a review of this movie with the ending? Like, oh, it's just like, oh, I think I've had enough tennis, so but yeah. Enough. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I'm with you. And that scene was great. It was fun. With Michael King, looks like he had some fun. But I don't. Was it you or somebody had said that? I feel like that that scene was just like, oh shit! Like we forgot to have add Michael King in this movie, so we would just throw him in here real quick. I can't remember I if that was you. That, but that's true. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Like, yeah, like, how, like, Christopher Nolan was like, oh shit! I forgot to add Michael King in. We got to do this shit, right what now. Are you do? Yeah. <laughs> and so here's the question I have for you: Was he was he him, or was it the dude that recruited him? If we're thinking James Bond, who, which one is M? No, I only have one. You know, I I'm gonna I, say Michael Caine. I think I'll go with you on I'll go with you on that one. I mean, okay. We don't have a Q though. Like that would been we don't we need a Q as well. Yeah, we don't do. We? It's the scientist. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, I see that. Yeah, oh, and what was with cool. that too? That's another thing that, that made me angry. They they show these gloves and like talking about it to him, and he didn't didn't even use that. They didn't even use it though. Like I thought he was gonna be able to like bend and use this bullet trick and everything, and then, like they never even like utilized. It felt like it was what is it, not Occam's Occam's razor or the the golden AK where they show it to you and oh, they don't even use it. Like Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. Yeah, I thought we always had a conversation. I thought that's what that was gonna be was like something cool that he was gonna learn. And on top of that, in that scene, he's just like another day at the office. Like if someone was telling me that bullets were traveling backwards in time, 
and that we could find out how to manipulate time and we don't really know how it works yet. I'd be like, jaw drop to the floor. I don't care who you are. I'd be like, what? So, all right, I've complained enough. That's my final, final, final thoughts. Final, 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 final inverted thought. All right. Thank you.